So if you're new, my name is Matt. We're in a series called Formed. Uh, it's Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul says, I'm in labor to see Christ formed in you because that's the goal of the Christian walk. So we've looked at a bunch of different tools, practices, whatever you want to call them, trainings that for thousands of years people have engaged in to see Christ formed in them. We looked at Sabbath and slowing and giving and fasting and praying. And last week we looked at celebration. And I introduced the whole idea of practices, form, training, by giving the analogy of the first marathon, where Pheidippides in 490 BC has to run 26.2 miles in order to save his city from the Persians. And he does that and he dies. And I asked the question, if right now there was an event that you had to run 26.2 miles to save your family, to save civilization, who could do it? And a few people raised their hands. And then I said, but if you had six months of training to then run 26.2 miles, who could do it? And a bunch more people raised their hand. I think pretty much anyone here could do it. That's this series. Things are gonna come up. Difficulties are going to arise. And in the moment, it's too late. So there needs to be a way that we live where we're preparing for those things to come, right? And most of you know this. If you've run at all, there are stages to running. There's the beginning stage when the gun goes off and you start running and it's the best. You're excited, the birds are singing, you've got energy, sun is shining, uh, your mom's beautiful, your dad's awesome, life is brilliant, right? That's stage one. And that stage lasts for a certain amount of time depending upon the conditioning of the runner. For me, it's five or six steps, and then it's just running. It's one foot in front of the other, brutal endurance, okay. The Bible says that's the Christian life. There's a honeymoon period where everything's great. And then, then you're running. So Hebrews 12.1 says, you have to run this race with endurance. So how do you endure when you run a long race? You gotta have fuel. So if you've been to a marathon or you watched a marathon or you've run a marathon, you know that periodically there'll be these tables where there's fuel. There's water, there's energy drinks, there's energy bars, there's ibuprofen, there's everything you need to keep running, <laughs> right? I read about one marathon in Duluth, Minneapolis, D Duluth, Minnesota, excuse me, where on one table they actually had bacon. <laughs> How awesome is that? And it's raw. I'm kidding. <laughs> And the next table is a defibrillator where they just go, chink, keep you running. All that fuel is to keep you from this term called bonking, where you can be an elite level runner, but if you don't have the fuel, you bonk and you don't finish the race. So if this Christian life is like a marathon, Hebrews 12 verse one, what's the fuel that's gonna keep the Christian enduring in this race? Well, let me read some verses to you. 
to show you what that is. So Matthew chapter four, verse four, it's actually mentioned three times. Jesus speaking. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fuel. We've got 1 Peter chapter two, verse two and three. Speaking to us, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Fuel. Job, going through super hard times, about as hard as it gets. This is what Job says in Job 23, 12. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart for I am called by your name. When did his word become a joy? When he ate them. There's tons of verses that talk about God's word being honey. Psalm 19.10, your word is sweeter than honey. Revelation 10.10, this scroll that is God's word, the revelator eats it and he says, it was sweet as honey in my mouth. Ezekiel 3 verse 1, he gets this scroll, he eats it sweet as honey. I can go on and on and on. The fuel for the Christian race that we're all in is right here. And there are four kind of ways that we consume this fuel. Just like you need protein and you need carbohydrates and you need supplements and you need fiber, the word has four different ways that make for a balanced diet. And we're gonna go through all four of them. They are reading, studying, meditation, and memorization. And each one of them provides something that we'll need on this race. So first of all, reading. Reading to me is fiber. What does fiber do for you? Cleans you out, right? I have a simple saying, no fiber, no flow, <laughs> right? It's just really that simple, right? You keep eating cheese like that, there's gonna be a problem, bro. So reading, it's like the fiber, it cleans you out. But here's my problem with reading the Bible. I'll read it and I don't remember any of it. Anyone have that problem? That's okay. Who here can remember the last time you ate fiber? Who here can remember last Monday's breakfast? Did it fuel you? 100%, okay. That's what it, you're just reading and the purpose of reading is right here. It's what Jesus says to his disciples after being with them for three and a half years. He says this, John 15, verse three. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. I've been with you, talking to you. You might not remember everything I've said, but no problem, it's cleaned you up. God's word, simply reading it, cleans us up from the dirt of this world. Do you know that we get dirty in this world? That you can try to be as pure as possible in your mind. You can try to keep every distraction away. It's gonna come at you. You go to your email and there's some spam that's inappropriate. 
You're checking your email and that starts flashing up these advertisements on the side that are inappropriate. It's just gonna happen. It's the world we live in. So what is the antidote to this constant mudslinging world we live in? It's real simple. It's you say, I'm going to read God's word. That's what I'm gonna do. And if you read four and a half chapters a day, that's all it is, 10 minutes or so, you'll read through the Bible in one year. And something spiritual happens in that time, Jesus would say, you just get cleaned up. Or you can do this, like if you don't have time to do that, you're racing to work, there's an app now for a phone, it's the ESV app. I have it on my computer, I have it a couple places, and I'll turn it on, just start at a book, be doing something, working, whatever it is, and I'll have an entire book, Gospel of John, Book of Acts, Book of Romans, just read to me as I'm working. It is brilliant, it is amazing, right? So this week, challenge for you, this morning, or tomorrow morning, get up, start in Matthew, put the app on, let it read to you while you're driving to work. Instead of listening to depressing news, li listen to the good news. Just play it for you as you're driving to work, four chapters, five chapters, and see if things aren't different in your soul and the way you feel clean, right? That's discipline number one, just simply reading the Bible. You're not trying to study, not getting out Greek. You're not doing any of that. You're just reading God's word, allowing it to clean you up. Discipline number one. Number two, studying. So if reading is fiber, studying is protein. This is how you build muscle. So listen to what Paul tells Timothy. I memorized it in the King James where it says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. ESV puts it like this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, studying learning what things mean, understanding doctrine. Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith, anyone want more faith? I do. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If you want your muscle of faith to get stronger and stronger, Romans 10, 17 says, right here. And what God's word does is this. It's your creator helping you to have the knowledge to integrate your life into the way things really are. And we have a culture today that says the only way to get truth is through the scientific method. So if you went to normal public school, you were taught, this is how you come to truth, right? You make a hypothesis, you test it, you come up with conclusions. So our truth today in our culture is always, there was this test, there was this proof, this is how you and I get to truth. Now, I love science. I have an engineering degree, love science. But do you know that science doesn't answer some of the most important questions we have? So when you decided the person you wanted to get married to. Did you go to science? 
Did you get your 10th grade biology book and open up to reproduction? Hmm, let's see here. I hope not, because you probably didn't get married then. Did you pull out the math book? Like, let's do some math. How much money is she worth? Ooh, let's get married. And that is a huge decision that science can't help you at all on. Science can't help you on morality. It can make no decisions that come to morals. Science can tell you how much strychnine to add to your grandma's tea to get an early inheritance, but it cannot tell you if you should or should not do that because there's a different kind of knowledge for that. Science can't determine things like value and worth and beauty. Can science tell you if a book is good or not? It can tell you if it's factual. It can tell you the price of the paper and the ink, but it can't tell you if it will bore you to death and put you to sleep on your desk because that's from somewhere else, that kind of information, right? It can't describe art or beauty. So if there are two paintings up here, one by Pablo Picasso and the other by my nine-year-old, Myron Picasso, they look exactly the same, right? Science would say they're the same. There's this much paint and this much canvas and this much wood, but which one is worth more money? Right? Only a fool would choose Myron and his mother because, right? I'll take Pablo's and start a counseling fund for you, son. Because it can't make those kind of choices. What's a human worth? Well, science will say you're worth 10 bucks. Some calcium, some magnesium, some trace minerals, some water, you're worth about 10 bucks unless you've got a gold tooth, then you're worth a little bit more. But is that what a human's worth? See, science falls flat. And that's why the Bible says, I can answer those questions for you. I can give you why you live, what your purpose is, how to, can you go to RCC right now and take a class on the good life? No, it can answer those questions. Those are in a different realm of meaning, of knowledge, of truth. So this is what Jesus says about his words. Listen to his statement on what he's doing. It's John 6, 63, he says this. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. You want a spiritual existence? You want life and it abundantly? You don't find it in science. You find it from the words of Christ, right? It teaches us this stuff. And we're supposed to study. And the Bible says, when you study, here's what happens. Here's the things you learn when you study. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That, here's the conclusion, here's what happens to you. The man of God, woman of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. That's what God's word does. It tells you your purpose. Your purpose is to glorify him. You want a purposeful life, Bring glory to your heavenly Father. Use the talents and the experience and the gifts and your time and your treasures, glorifying God. And guess what? You find life and you find it abundantly. You find your calling, what you're called to do. What's a human value at? Is it 10 bucks according to science? Or God's word says this, you are an image bearer of God 
of such value that God said, I'll give my life for you. That statement in Genesis 1.26 transformed Western civilization. That one statement, that you're not worth 10 bucks, that there's not a peasant class and a king class. No, there's one class of human and they are image bearers of God, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of background, regardless of education, regardless of how old you are or how young you are, or if you're in the womb or headed to the grave, it does not matter. You are valued as a human, so much so that God says, I'll give my life for you. That's value that comes from scripture. That marriage isn't just some random chemicals that happen in my brain. No, marriage was designed. The very first institution by God was marriage. That the man and the woman would become one flesh. Something can happen in marriage that can happen nowhere else. The intermixing of souls, brilliant and beautiful. And it only happens with a man and a woman. That we're not some kind of interchangeable Lego piece that you can manipulate around and make whatever you want out of it. No way. There's male and there's female. And this is what God's word tells us. And we are different. And if you get married and you don't think that you're different from your spouse, look out, right? Praise God, men and women are different. If you start treating your wife like a bro or like a roommate, it's not gonna work out for you, right? They like their furniture, not from someone's front yard, but from a actual store. They prefer the nutcracker, not the UFC, right? Like you gotta start realizing some of this stuff. This is what God's word tells us. It helps us integrate our lives with reality. It's brilliant. The Bible tells us this, that there's actually a battle always happening around us. Ephesians 6, verse 12, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. My problem isn't my neighbor. My problem isn't that person. My problem isn't a governor. You know what my problem is? There's big time spiritual powers that are always trying to work things to cause division and dissension and disaster. And they're always at work. That sometimes your kids are going nuts in your house, not because they had too much sugar, but there's something else going on. Sometimes my soul feels depressed and oppressed and out of sorts, not because I didn't take something or missed out on something. It's because there's an attack from the enemy. And the Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 10. It says, the weapons of our warfare are not physical. You're not gonna cure that with anything in the physical realm. You've gotta have spiritual weapons. You take every thought captive to Christ. So scripture helps us identify these things and integrate our lives into the way they actually are. And it takes time. So the prophet Isaiah put it like this, Isaiah 28. To whom will he teach knowledge? Me, please. To whom will he explain the message? I want it. To those who are weaned from the milk, those taken from the breast. For it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Studying God's word is a lifetime. I've given myself to it since about 1997. And I still feel like I've just scratched the surface. And that's a great thing, right? This book is deep and incredible and brilliant. And it takes time. Well, how do we study it? You're doing it right now. Edgewater has a very high premium on teaching God's word. 
So if you're new here, it's what we do. We teach God's word. I did a series in uh, f- the fall on spiritual warfare, where we spent about two months, 6.45 a.m. Wednesday morning. I know it was early, but the early bird gets a worm. You want some protein? 6.45 a.m. Where we just looked at real in-depth God's word when it comes to the spirit realm. We have Wednesday nights. We're starting 2 Corinthians, jumping on that. Mondays, there's all kinds of Bible studies for ladies, jumping on one of those. Friday morning, there's a Friday morning 6.30 Bible study right over there. Tons of ways. And with technology today, oh my goodness, podcasting. You and I have at our fingertips now the ability to get some of the best teaching in history whenever we want it. It's amazing to me. So we get these letters sometimes from people in prison. And I try to write back to every single one of them. Uh, Matthew 25, right? Jesus said, "Uh, pretty important how you deal with people in prison. So I try to write back to them. And one guy that I was writing back and forth to, he was at a federal penitentiary on the East Coast and we're writing back and forth. I'm like, what in the world? Why are you listening to Edgewater? We're a little teeny town in Grants Pass. What's the deal? And he said, well, here's the deal. Uh, The internet is really controlled in federal prisons. That way you can't Google how to escape from a federal penitentiary, right? You can't do that. <laughs> See, we're given these like tablets and they're, they're very like limited what you can get to, right? He goes, there's like 12 offerings for spirituality and one of them is Edgewater Christian Fellowship. I was like, what in the world, right? So yeah, it's, I don't know how, but it's happened. And so that's, I'm like, that's where these letters are coming from. Okay, but brilliant opportunity, right? So got a letter from this gal on Tuesday. Her name is Jessica. And long, very like thought out letter, amazing. Uh, And here's what she's done. In four and a half months, she has listened to 271 Edgewater podcasts, right? Just, I'm gonna give myself to this. She started just feeling this transformation in her heart. So at meals, she started to pray. She was the only one. And then someone else joined her. Now she said, we have a group of 15 to 18 ladies that get together at every meal and we pray. Tomorrow morning, they'll download a podcast from Edgewater and then that same group will sit and they'll listen to it and then talk and study God's word. There's no excuse. Like we have an incredible opportunity in 2023 to study God's word. That's the protein. That's what builds muscles of our faith, right? So reading fiber, cleans you out. Studying, brilliant. It's protein, gives you muscles. Thirdly, meditation. So Psalm 1, here's what the psalmist says about meditation. And he gives a contrast to two different kinds of people. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Meditation is like the carbs. It's the quick energy in the moment that you need right then for some kind of hill you're trying to run up. To me, the best example of this is from the life of Jesus. In Matthew four, he goes out into the wilderness, he fasts 40 days, 
And when his body was physically weak, that's when the attack of the enemy comes. Do you know that will happen to you? Very often when your physical body is down, the enemy sees an opportunity to get you because we're linked together. There's not like the spirit's over there and it's fine and my body's over here. No way, they affect each other. So Jesus is down and the attack comes. And so the enemy comes, his first attack is, hey, you're hungry. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. We looked at it earlier. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so the enemy comes back for attack number two, takes him up on the pinnacle of the temple and says, hey, throw yourself off. Come on, you're God. He'll send angels to rescue you. The Father will before you dash your foot on the ground. And so Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16, and says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So third and final temptation, Satan shows Jesus all the massive kingdoms of earth, kingdom in China, Roman empire, what, you know, what was ever happening over here with the Incas and the Mayas, just every massive group of people. And he says, if you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these. And Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 6.63, excuse me, Deuteronomy 6.13, and he says to him, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. Depart from me. All three of those quotations came from about one chapter of the Bible. I am convinced it was the area that Jesus had been meditating on in the wilderness. And when the attack came, it was the exact carbohydrates, fuel he needed in that moment to battle the enemy. That is meditation. What does it mean? The word comes from the way animals that are ruminant, any farmers in here? So a, a ruminant animal, you know, eats something and then barfs it back up, right? So I thought I was a farmer for a little while. We had some horses and chickens and then a goat that was pregnant. I thought she was just fat. And then she had three more goats. And then we had four goats for a while. And for a little while, when we just had Rosemary, I hadn't fenced in an area for her, so she just free-ranged. She'd be all over the place. And I had at that time this chair that was back to a window, and behind the window, about three feet from the window, was this retaining wall, and Rosemary, when I'd sit in my chair, she'd get right on that retaining wall and look at me through the window. You know, sometimes you can feel like eyes you, like the hair starts standing up in your neck. I'd turn her, and there she would be, like rain drenching her. She'd just be looking at me like, God's going to judge you for leaving me out here. It's coming, right? And the whole time she's back there, if you have goats, they were Nigerian dwarfs, you could literally see the big chunk just come up their throat, they'd be like, and just this chunk travel up their throat, up into their mouth, and they just, right? She'd just be doing that nonstop behind me. And Charity would be like, dinner time. No, thanks. No, I'm good, right? That's the idea. If you take a bite of something, and then you chew on it and regurgitate it over and over and over again until you get revelation. And one of the coolest examples of this is Daniel, the prophet. He's reading Jeremiah and he comes to a text in Jeremiah he can't figure out. So Daniel chapter nine, Daniel just stops and for 21 days, he meditates and prays and thinks about this one text he cannot understand. 
21 days. And then on the 22nd day, Gabriel shows up, an angel, and gives Daniel one of the most profound revelation. We call it Daniel's 70 weeks. That came out because Daniel meditated on one text he did not understand for three weeks. That's the brilliance of meditation, carbohydrates. So when you're reading through Matthew chapter one, verse four, tomorrow morning, Matthew one through four, and listen to it on, on uh, ESV app, which is a great app to listen to it. Whatever you're doing, if there's one thing that you have a question on or one thing that speaks to you, man, grab a hold of it. Think about it. Throughout your day, meditate on it. Pray to God, give me answers on this. Help me to understand this more and watch and see fuel being given to you. That's meditation, brilliant and powerful. And then the final thing that you and I can do to the word so that we're eating it and being fueled up, the final thing is memorization. So if reading is fiber and studying is protein and meditation is carbs, memorization is your, your supplements. If you're an average guy like me, you take whatever, a multivitamin and some vitamin C. If you're an athlete, you're taking creatine. If you're a hippie, it's gutagubu root and echinacea and mushroom tea and whatever else you want to drink. If you're a lady, it's essential oils. And I do not mess with the essential oils ladies, right? I know it works 100%, right? They turn them into hell's angels if you question that stuff. So yeah, you got it. It's yours. It's perfect, right? So here's, here's memorization. It's your supplements. So Psalm 119.11 says this, and I memorize it, King James, you know, uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. ESV puts it like this. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Memorization is like supplements. It keeps you from getting sick from sin. And this might be one of the most important ones because some of us have these besetting sins, just these places where gear up your gear, the enemy seems to get us right there, just always kind of uh, attacking us. And it's in those areas that one of the most important things that you can ever do in life is to find verses that are supplements that empower you in those besetting sins, right? It prevents destruction. So here's my best analogy of how that works. We used to go rafting quite a bit. And we'd raft like through from Hogs Creek down to Galice, right? Just beautiful section of the river. So fun down there. And the last rapid you come to before you get out at Galice, it's called Galice Chute. It's about a quarter mile above where you pull out. And Galice Chute, it's the rapid that tips over most Tahiti's. The T's are those blow up kind of canoe looking things. And they're pretty stable long ways, super unstable sideways. So normally on a rapid, you take the V, go down the V and everything's fine. But Galice Chute does something funny. Galice Chute starts out normal and then the river takes this massive right turn. And there's this wall, it's great salmon fishing. So it's not like a, a, a slanted beach area, it's just a wall that's really deep. So the river, when it turns, it hits that wall of rock and just forms this curl of a, of a rapid, almost like a surf wave. So what happens if you go straight down the V, you end up way too close to that curl, it hits the front of your Tahiti and tips you out. I've watched, I bet you a hundred people get knocked over right there. Most notorious spot to me in that whole stretch. 
So the key there is to go about 15, 20 feet to the right of the V and then you go right through. So last time I'm there, you know, a couple, you know, well, one time I was there, Gabrielle was probably five or six years old. She's in the Tahiti with me. We're going through, I don't want to roll over. I don't want to scare her. I want her to have a great time. So I'm 20 feet to the right of that V, I go right through. We get through and there's this girl clinging to this rock at the bottom of the rapid. I can't even see her Tahiti. I don't know where it's at. I'm the only one around. So we go paddling over to her, get close to her, and the whole side of her body is just scraped up. You know, like when you see someone in your, your stomach hurts for a second, you're like, oh, wow, it was that kind of wound. So I'm like, oh, hey, get in, I'll, I'll take you down. She gets in, I'm like, are you okay? This is what she said. I'll be okay once I get to the bar. I'm like, and I knew we had a while, while to go and I didn't want the conversation to go in the wrong direction, especially with Gabrielle in there. So I said, hey, just full disclosure, I'm a pastor. So she said, I mean, I'll be okay when I get to my car. I said, you're a liar and a drunk. I'm going to baptize you right now. <laughs> I could prevent all that pain if I was right at the top of the rapid there and I was speaking to people the truth. Hey, look out, move 20 feet to the right and you'll go right through. That's what God's word does. It's before you're in the rapid, before you're in that time, before destructions come upon you. God's word speaks and says, move, look out, right? So all the time I will meet with people and we'll just write down a verse, memorize this verse, memorize it. Because Jesus promises the Holy Spirit will bring that to remembrance when you're at the top of the Galice chute, when you're about ready to head into hard times. And then you can choose at that point to obey or disobey, right? This is the brilliance of God's word for Thousands of years now, Christians have been called the people of the book. You know why? Because for thousands of years, Christians have realized this is the fuel that helps us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And we need to read it and study it, meditate on it, and memorize it. It's what gets us where we need to be. And so today, as we go to the table... My hope with God's word is not, it's just a bunch of words or a bunch of knowledge or a bunch of information. My hope with God's word is this right here, that the word becomes flesh. That it's no longer like you and I having to like think about a bunch of stuff. It just becomes natural. Like kids learning to ride a bike. In the beginning, you gotta shout all kinds of rules and stuff at them. But then at some point it becomes second nature. The word becomes flesh. They just know how to do it. The goal of studying and memorizing and reading and meditating on God's word is so that we become something. That we don't have to second guess and think, like overanalyze, we've just become a different kind of person. The word has become flesh. And so that's my prayer for us today. So Jesus, as we hold you, the word of life, the bread of life. I pray that what so many of us have studied and memorized and meditated upon and read, I pray that a miracle would happen today in our hearts. 
that the word would become flesh, that it would become something inside of us that renews our mind, that helps us to think and act like you because it's second nature now. Your nature becomes our nature. So may we eat of that this morning. Let's eat together. And we hold the cup. The cup of cleansing. The cup of forgiveness. The cup of acceptance that by simple faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us, we are saved. We are forgiven. We are adopted. We are being sanctified. We have been justified. We have a new destiny. We have a new inheritance. We have a new citizenship. It's a citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. So I pray as we drink today that this would be the antidote to the lies of the enemy, to the lies that say we don't know enough, we haven't learned enough, we haven't memorized enough, we haven't meditated enough. No, you are enough, that we're drinking of the cup that is enough. Let's drink together. Amen.